No lessons, no expectations. A day where anything can happen. A day I can change my fate. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we had uh, some spicy, controversial stuff going on uh, on the show last week. And um, I, I I'm assuming that's not going to stop this week because we have proven time and time again that the two of us are simply not Pixar compatible. We're not Pixar compatible. And it turns out we're also not pop music video compatible, which was really disappointing in the end. And so I'm looking forward to redeeming myself this week, this new bracket. We are talking the most visually beautiful Pixar sequence. Talk about a mouthful. So what we're talking about here are scenes and sequences from Pixar movies that are just stunning. They're just gorgeous. It doesn't have to do with the with the content of the doesn't have to do with the subject matter of the sequence. It doesn't have to do with the music and what happens in that moment. It's all about how it looks. It's all about uh blowing us away on screen. And to help us find that most beautiful sequence in Pixar history is first time co-host it's Eva. Eva, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am actually really, really excited about this. <laughs> oh, good. So, <laughs> so obviously, if you're very, very excited, you must be a big Disney and Pixar fan. Tell us about it. Tell us where it started. Tell us uh, about your Disney background. Yeah, so I have loved Disney since I was literally not even born yet. <laughs> um, I just... <laughs> remember going to Disneyland when I was small. It was like the best thing ever. Um, yeah, it started when I was a little girl. Uh, my parents used to take us like two, three times a year. I just, I think the thing that like caught me was seeing the princesses for the first time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that was like, oh my gosh, you're like the best thing ever. Who are you? Because I didn't really know them that well, but then when I got older, I was like, oh my gosh, I watch you on TV. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was just the beauty of it and the fact that it's just a different atmosphere there. Everyone's just like, you know, there with all the joy in their hearts. So, um, yeah, I just fell in love with the magic of it ever since I was small. And then watching the movies at home with my family, uh, with my sister and my brother, whenever we were sick, my mom would just put Disney movies all day long. <laughs> so I just grew to love them. And Pixar was actually really like huge for me too because my dad used to work uh, in Emeryville and we used to, you know, drive by the the studios and we yeah. were like, okay, that's, you know, you'd see it and you're like, wait, <laughs> I've seen that Pixar before. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, you know, the movies you guys watch, they make right them here. there. Like, right here. What? <laughs> so, yeah. And I know people who work there and my friends are also just huge Disney fans. And my 
love just grew and grew and I'm older and I still love it and I love it probably even more. So <laughs> yeah. This is the perfect place for you then. <laughs> it's just very similar to our stories here. So yeah. we're very excited. We're excited that you, uh, you're familiar, very familiar with not only Pixar, but where Pixar is. I think this is going to be the perfect topic for you. So thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um. All right. So next up, I mean, these beautiful Pixar sequences go down pretty smooth. Sure. I'm not going to lie. It's not one of those brackets where like, oh, I need a drink to get through this. But no. uh, hey, we, we got some anyway, because that's what we do here. We've got our spoonful of sugar segment. Kyle, what are you drinking today? I told everybody I was going to be back on my home cocktail making, find some ingredients in the bar, just mix them up. And that's exactly what I'm bringing you today. I opened the bar about 30 minutes ago and I said, what do I have? And I entered it into that like home cocktail bar website that you just put in ingredients and it says, maybe you can make this. And that's, that's what I got. So I had, uh, this is a full, like, I don't know what they are, like little six ounce cans of ginger ale. It's mm -hmm. a what's supposed to be an ounce of vodka, but it's a shot of vodka and it's a shot, <laughs> it's a shot of gin and it's mixed together and it's called Gary Laughs and I haven't had it yet. It's been sitting next to me. Uh, that's just what the name of the, the drink I, on the cocktail uh, website is. Uh, yeah. So apparently it's, a, I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. That's, that's kind of refreshing. That's kind of refreshing. That gives you a little bit of Sprite vibes right there. But I'm going to call yeah, yeah. it for this one. Carl goes up because there are two shots in this thing and I, I'm about to go up. I'm about to go up like Carl. Chris, what are you um, drinking? Yeah, so uh, special announcement to make. I have drank all the beer in my apartment. Bow, it is bow, gone. Bow, bow. He did bow, it. Bow, bow. He did it. Um, so we are officially on to the hard alcohol. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> like I'm, 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 I'm a realist, sure. so I, I'm not going to finish it. Like this alcohol <laughs> is not going to get drank in the next 19 days. So like, what's the, I mean, like food waste is one of my biggest things that I'm ashamed of that like I do regularly is like, oh, buy this whole pack of spinach. And then it's like, all right, it went bad. Got to throw yep. it out. Like I hate that. Yep. So like, is, does the same thing apply to alcohol? Because like alcohol if you gave someone spinach, that's like sustenance that could like keep them going throughout the day. Whereas like alcohol does the opposite. Like it actually inhibits you uh, <laughs> and, and leaves you worse off than you were when you drank it. So like, am I good to like pour alcohol down the sink? Like, should I feel bad about that? Eh, probably not. Probably not. I guess just, you know, people could be getting turned on this. And <laughs> so, it's just... Someone somewhere could be getting <laughs> so. turned off of that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I went for like my favorite alcohol that I would be most sad to pour down the drain. And that's my mezcal. Of course. Combine, combine it with my Diet Coke that I picked of up course. at CVS. And so, I mean, I was, dig <laughs> I was digging the name of that drink, the old uh, Gary, what is it? Gary's Ga Laugh? Gary Gary's Laugh. I'm going to change it to Jerry's Laugh. Oh yeah, there you go. That's that's Diet Coke and I have I must have like 15 names for Diet Coke and Mezcal by Seriously. now. But I, think I mean, it's just Jerry's, it's my go to. Jerry's laugh has to stick now, though. That just Jerry's has to be like that. The uh, old guy in the short yep. Pixar shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. our boy. That's our <laughs> so, boy. That's immediately like, what I thought when I when you said that. I was like, oh, I was like, oh Gary's game. Gary laugh. He laughs in the short. So 
Makes sense. That's, Anyways, what's <laughs> like is well? Do you think Jerry is like a mesca, like a agave drinker, or or is he, he like a scotch and scotch and soda guy? That's a, like that's a, a scotch boy. You know, he's cleaning up Woody and Toy Story two and going home with a nice <laughs> class of scotch afterwards. You know that. Uh, he he soaks his dentures in vodka by the <laughs> table. Um, his his entire right. chess game was just a drunken fueled battle against there you himself. Go. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was because he was turned. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So, Eva, what do you have? <laughs> I have like the complete opposite of both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a nice little iced matcha Ooh. just because I love matcha right now. This is literally the only, I have no alcohol. Actually, yes, I do. That's a lie. I have wine and <laughs> bourbon, I think. Okay. Yeah. But, we're not doing that tonight. We're just hey. sticking with the matcha, you know. Matcha slaps. Yeah, yeah, we respect I'm, it. Yeah. We respect it. I'm a matcha, <laughs> I'm a matcha, matcha man. No uh, boy. Matcha, All matcha right, man. <laughs> All right. It's everybody's favorite part of the podcast. At least we think because no one has said otherwise. It is the pull of the pod. We are on the search for Mr. Tom Morrow in these packs of 50th anniversary Disneyland Tops trading cards. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time or forget what we're doing here, these cards feature at least one Tom Morrow card. And Tom Morrow was an animatronic that was in Flight to the Moon, Rocket to the Moon, and most famously, Interventions. And so we are pulling pack by pack of what has to be 50 of them until we find our boy. Uh, and then at the end, we'll celebrate and the podcast is over forever. <laughs> <laughs> we would never do that. All right. So in this pack, we're leaning off strong. We have 1979's Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Strong. Strong it, it, ticket. We we get the, the buttes looking great. On the back, it's the dinosaur bones. Uh, this is a debut attraction card. Looks amazing. Here we go. It's time, everybody. It's Jumbo Jr. It's Dumbo the Flying Elephant. Dumbo's, oh. dr- dum- Dumbo's drunk uh, <laughs> yeah, elephant his, trip, the attraction. His, his, booze, his booze dream attraction. Uh, it has Dumbo in the purple hat flying on the front, and it's the same photo on the back. So they couldn't find two photos, so they just used the same one. <laughs> we only got one Dumbo pick, they, though. It's, it, and it's the, same exact, it's the same exact photo. Uh, this is an interesting one. Card number three. Is the partner statue? Ooh, I feel like we're getting closer. Nice. I feel like that kind of gold, like that, looks like a tomorrow kind of. Yeah, we are getting closer. Uh, we got thrown a curveball with Lincoln the other day, but uh, this is another one where it's the same photo on the front and back. I get it; it's a statue. Um, Mickey and Walt holding hands, Walt pointing. Classic, classic. And then the final one before. The attraction poster, which means we did not get Tom Morrow this time around. It is the Golden Horseshoe Saloon. Nice. Never, never once been inside that building ever. But really? Yeah, I don't <laughs> really? think so. No. <laughs> it's air conditioning. I might so actually. Nice. I might have had like jumbo mozzarella sticks there one time. Is that mm. a food they serve there? That seems no like something they'd serve there. I don't know. Sounds like it would be. Um, it's just the front of the Golden Horseshoe. And uh, it's cropped up, and then on the back, it's cropped down. So they really skipped out on the photo 
<laughs> the photo <laughs> options for this pack. But we have a incredible attraction poster. It is the original Storybook Land Canal Boats oh, that's Fantasy nice. Land poster. It is Very beautiful. These, yeah. I mean, these... like the the thing is, there's not a lot of attraction posters where you're like, meh. I feel like yeah. the majority sure. of them are pretty good. Sure, sure, sure. I don't know. But nothing screams mid-century 50s Disneyland like this with yep. that storybook land font. Like that oh, is yeah. that is oh, some yeah. mid-century stuff right there. Um, yeah. So no Tom Morrow. The pull of the pod lives on to see another <laughs> day. Go. We'll open up another pack <laughs> next time. Um, check out our Instagram stories and you can see exactly what these look like uh, after you listen to this episode. All right. So next up, we have to talk about what demographic did we send the interns into the parks to survey? Um, it was it was um, big mad people. Was big mad, Kyle. <laughs> it's always big mad people. Yeah, I mean, that's true. We like we like finding big, big mad people. Um, but these big mad people were big mad about Magic Key, the new Disney annual pass program yeah yeah it's so when this rolled out this past week um if you aren't in our discord you missed out because we were breaking it down in the discord we are talking to powerhouse tests letting us know uh if this is a good deal or not if this is something that we should be doing and, and picking the right key for each other and you know people are upset because it's not quite the same as the last annual pass this one now you have to uh use the reservation system which is different it's not like a you know show up whenever you want you have to you have a certain amount of reservations you can use in a window and you can go at that time but some of the passes like the lowest one i think that of the blackout days they have like just over 100 days they can go to the park in a year it's something crazy. It's like 235 huh. blacked out days. It's like, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, all of the summer and like all of the December. All the holidays. Uh, most every of the weekends. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the thing though is like most people seem to be upset about parking. That was my observation yeah. on Twitter was like people just really don't want to pay to park, which I get it. Like if you have an annual pass and it's like, oh, you get to go to the park for free. It's like, it's not really free. If you have to pay $25 to park your car, I don't know. Is that what it costs? I haven't done it. Yeah, I don't know. I've parked it so long. (laughs) Um, But yeah, magic key. Magic key. So we uh, surveyed these folks with what is the most beautiful Pixar scene moment sequence that you can think of? And they gave us 16. But they also missed a few that we feel could have made it. Chris, what are a couple for you? So uh, in thinking back of like standout visuals for me in like Pixar history, I'm a very visual person. I have a a photographic memory, I think. Um, And... (laughs) And I kept coming back to these various like car sequences in the, in all of the cars movies. I have these like memorable cars moments and uh, a couple of them made it onto this bracket, which is awesome. But one that did not is Doc Hudson drifting around that like dirt track. Yeah, I think it was early in the morning or maybe late at night. It was one of the two. But like and we'll talk about this a lot um, on this episode and the next episode like the pixar lighting is like yeah the, the thing right mm-hmm. and so um just really beautiful like natural lighting in that scene really cool shots of like the dirt and um 
I just loved it. And it was kind of a cool moment, like story wise as well. Uh, and then the other one, kind of like a sneaky, sneaky one for me, the Monsters, Inc. opening credit sequence. I okay. find to be one of the most entertaining visually Pixar sequences out there with the little like snake coming through all the doors and like people's names coming out of doors and stuff. Yeah. Um, with that instrumental version of If I Didn't Have You. Um, super memorable to me. So those are my two. What about you? Um, one thing that Pixar has always done well and perfected over the years is water. And yeah. the first one that missed the dance for me is the Sydney Harbor scene from Finding Nemo. Like when uh, the story's being passed about Marlin crossing the sea to find his son and then the seagulls fly or the pelicans fly over Sydney Harbor at night and then it turns to day. And then uh. we go down to the buoy to see Marlin and Dory. Beautiful. It looks, it looks photorealistic. I remember seeing that in theaters and being like, wow, this is amazing. And the second one for me is the opening of Toy Story 4. So it's the RC yeah. car rescue scene. Yeah. Uh, and that looked real. <laughs> that looked like, because it was like dark and stormy. So like the lightning flashing provided most of the, most of the light along with like the moon, of course. And it was just so real. The rain looked so real. RC being stuck in the gutter looked real. These toys like in the rain looked real. It just was so, so stunning. Um, I think that could have made the dance. Uh, maybe if it was more memorable of a movie for people. I don't know. Uh, Eva, out of all of these that you've seen so far, is there anything that didn't make the dance that you think should have? Um, I definitely have a few with Finding Nemo 2. Okay. Not the second one, but also Finding Nemo. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just so many scenes in there where it's like, how the heck did that not make it? <laughs> sure. I think <clears throat> I think one of them I'm thinking about is when Marlon is like, about the water too, uh, when Marlon's looking for Nemo right after the boat zoomed off. Yes. Oh, He's yeah. He's literally looking and you just see the ocean. I mean, yeah. that was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> We should get more above the water scene. But, <laughs> but no, yeah, that was definitely one. And I don't know, although this is kind of like maybe not because Bug's Life is not visually. I mean, actually, it is visually beautiful. Yeah. The in When Dot was trying to escape Hopper, is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. yeah. Hopper. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> um <laughs> There's a scene where the, she's on the dandelion and then, right, not, yeah. or she's oh. right there, right? And there's that one. And there's also another one I'm thinking um, where she falls and then she finally comes up and her wings are, you know, she's using her wings for the first time. Uh huh. Just those, you know, scenes. It's just so visually beautiful. Totally. It's something that people don't really think about. I mean, when I'm watching it, that's what I'm paying attention to. Um. And those stills of like landscape in that movie are so stunning, even though yeah. it's not the best animated Pixar movie. Sure. Those landscapes are just beautiful. And it, I agree. I loved those when I was small. And then <laughs> I was hoping at least one Bug's Life <laughs> scene would be there, but it wasn't. But it's okay. So. Bugs Life gets overlooked by by people, I think, oh, for yeah. the most part. Um, we have to do a best bug bracket one of these days. 
Oh my gosh. I'm, yes. I'm game. I'm game. <laughs> let's do it. Let's fast track that to next. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's actually a super good observation about how like the, the animation of the movie isn't the best, but yeah. like it's, you still find it like visually pleasing. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting to see there are a lot of movies from like different eras of Pixar on this bracket and like how will the like realisticness of the animation like affect how we find it beautiful so yeah uh great starting point for this bracket um we've had a field of 16 all right it was tough there pixar is known for beauty and uh, it was definitely hard i think for people to come up with just one but we've got them <laughs> oh, and yes, we're ready we we're ready <laughs> to announce uh let's cue the dramatic music kyle let's do it Floating out in the great beyond is our number one scene. It's Define Dancing from Wally. Hello from the other side. The number two seed is the Crossing the Marigold Bridge sequence from Coco. Carl's going up on a Tuesday. Coming in at the number three seed is Carl Goes Up from the movie Up. We at the hotel, motel, holiday inn. Uh, number four seed is the Ornament Valley scene from Cars. Passing out at the number five seed is Dory in the Jellyfish Forest from Finding Nemo. Hold the door! The number six seed is the Door Depot from Monsters, Inc. Absolutely jamming at the number seven seed is Joe's Jazz Session from Seoul. Hawkeye who? Coming in at number eight, it's Touch the Sky from Brave. He's back. The boy is back. Coming in at the number nine seed is the most satisfying scene in the world. It is the cleaner from Toy Story 2. Owl City, where you at? Coming in (laughs) at number 10, it's the Fireflies sequence from The Good Dinosaur. Causing seizures at the number 11 seed is Mrs. Incredible vs. Screenslaver from The Incredibles 2. Yellow Flag is out for the number 12 seed. It's Lightning's Crash from Cars 3. Excited to get the day started at the number 13 seed is the first day of school scene from Finding Nemo. Don't sleep on one-eyed Bart. Coming in at number 14 is the opening playtime sequence from Toy Story 3. Climbing to the rooftops to reach the number 15 seed is Remy. Climbing the rooftop in Paris from Ratatouille. Santa Ricotta coming in at number 16 and rounding out the bracket is the Take Me Gravity sequence from Luca. All right, Eva, we've got our field of 16 here. Any early favorites you're seeing? Definitely crossing the Marigold Bridge is very dear to my heart. <laughs> sure. That is my cultura. I am Latina. So that is that movie is everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's definitely up there for me, for sure. All right. Let's start things off. We've got the number one seed, Define Dancing from Wally versus number 16, Take Me Gravity from Luca. <laughs> so just to like, uh, kind of remind everyone maybe what these moments are in these movies. Uh, the defined dancing sequence from Wally is when uh, Wally gets launched out into space in a little space pod and he's got the little boot with the flower in it 
and then <laughs> Eve tracks him down and she gets really happy and then Wally takes a fire extinguisher and he's like flying around space in a fire extinguisher and she's like flying around him as they're flying. Yep. Pretty self-explanatory. If you've seen Wally, you definitely know what we're talking about. Number 16, Take Me Gravity is Luca, the newest Pixar movie when uh what's his name? What's what's homeboy's name? Alberto. Yep. Like <laughs> Um, is like take me gravity and he jumps off the cliff and then Luca's like Silencio Bruno and then he jumps off the cliff too and they're swimming through the ocean and jumping out of the water and like Luca's like transforming himself as he kind of like breaches out and then goes back to a sea monster when he goes back in the water very short right. um, but super memorable I think for that movie okay so um, we never got to talk about Luca like we no. never did, we never, we never did, did like it. a Luca review. <laughs> it's just it. both of our schedules never really lined up. The movie came out somewhat unceremoniously on Disney Plus um, for free, right? Is it a freebie? Yeah, it was a freebie. So, I mean, we kind of have been sort of talking about it in the Discord. Um, I would like to say this about Luca, and I will say this one time about Uh-oh. this movie. Top three Pixar movie of Let's all time. Go. <laughs> Let's maybe, go. Maybe top two. Oh uh, my goodness. I, I absolutely love everything about Luca. Wow. Literally, like you couldn't tell me one thing about it that I'd be like, I would fix that. It's like a perfect movie pretty much. Yeah. Uh, from the villains to the heroes to the animation to Uncle Ugo and his <laughs> weird... Whale carcass uh, loving yeah, self. Oh my gosh. Just so good. Um, but that is, that's for another episode of the podcast. Um, I think we were really excited to see that director do Luca because he did that, what, La La Luna or Luna short that, um, is kind of a sleeper on the Pixar shorts list. Um, and I think, I think they nailed it with this movie. Um, so let's see the, the shot we're talking about, take me gravity starts overhead Alberto jumps into the water and then Kyle, like you said, realistic water, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Splashes up. You're like, that looks like a real, like a real person just cannonballed into to the water. Uh yeah, then Luca jumps in. The camera does this really cool thing, like during this whole sequence. It just like very seamless seamlessly goes from like out of the water and like mm-hmm. back into the water. And that just absolutely blows my mind. Cause it's like, they're completely different worlds and need to be animated completely differently as well. They have different physics and different lighting and like different totally. details. And so like seeing these characters, like as sea monsters from the side, and then they like pop up and they're real people or, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be real people. It's so cool to see that kind of shift very suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, but also fluidly so cool um i know we're trying to like not incorporate other elements into like this visually beautiful but like i can't help myself the music during that sequence is awesome <laughs> and it's sw- yeah. it swells yeah. so beautifully when um i think it's i think it's probably the best shot of the whole sequence when luca pops out and he like he's like flipping sideways and they're uh-huh. showing his face and kind of like the scales coming away. And then it reverse shot to a point of view of the of like skyline rotating. That to me is the best moment. Uh, Wally space dance. I mean, this sequence is much, much longer. Um, there are a few other elements involved. 
I don't like how it's interrupted by like, let's let's check in on the Axiom and like, let's see John Ratzenberger in his like <laughs> hover chair be like, yeah. hey, Wally, what's up with your buddy John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he has that like moment of like human connection with the lady. And like, uh-huh. oh, hi. Mm, hi. Ooh, what's <laughs> up? <laughs> I like, I think, I think obviously they're trying to kind of like connect the two. Yes. Like thematically, like, oh, this, you know, they're, Robots together, having a, yeah. an, a moment that humans should be having. Let's cross right. it. Yep. Right. So, so I totally get it. I just, I think the kind of like flow of the visuals get a little bit interrupted, but sure. like the, the space visuals that are there are awesome. This, this one does, uh, this sequence does a really good job of like, kind of like pulling back during the beginning parts of it and like showing the two characters like swirling together with each other. Um, mm-hmm. f- shot from the side, very symmetrical, and you have like the black vastness vastness of space, um, in the background, and then like the bright white of the fire extinguisher making Wally's tail, and like the the glowing blue of Eve making her tail. So it's just very like, it's very beautiful. We're gonna say that a lot on this episode. Just getting totally. throwing that out there, um, but uh, kind of similar to the Luca thing, like the there's physics in space and this this like weightlessness of the motion as well. Wally seems like he's a super heavy robot, um, but like <laughs> in in this space, like he's just kind of like floaty. And I think that kind of gives the moment a very like lightness to it. Not not that it's like not serious, but like lightness and that like it makes you feel. I don't know, happy and like hopeful and yeah. just good. You know, you get a good feeling watching that. Um, and like it's a very quaint moment when you remove the shots of the axiom. Um, and this is this this is kind of like really what I think of when I think of Pixar, especially earlier Pixar, is that like they don't they're not afraid to slow down and be yeah. like, let's just drop like a dope 10 minute animation sequence on these people because anyone can make a minions movie where like, let's just get, let's get Drake to voice a minion and like, it'll be <laughs> hilarious. Right. And we'll put him in the trailer and like, blah, 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 blah. Like pictures like, look, that's not what we're about. Like we're not about just getting people into the theater. We're about making people leave the theater changed. Um, because of because of this technology and so like i love luca i love this moment for the character luca and for the movie luca but i think wally is this space dance or defined dancing sequence in wally is like definitive for what pixar does and what they do better than everyone else so i'm advancing the number one i'm so happy that you enjoyed luca i can't i figured that you would like but the fact that I liked it, I was like, oh, Chris isn't going to like this. Like, <laughs> we're just not Pixar compatible. But it's probably it's like a top five for me. Like, that was such a great film. That's like the epitome of a like a Pixar comfort film, like just something that you go to when you're feeling down, when you want just something to watch yeah. that you can, you know, just will brighten your spirits. Luca, like that is phenomenal. It's kind of what Toy Story felt like growing up. Like, I'm going to watch something that just brings me joy and i i'm so happy and i'm also like mad that disney kind of robbed them of yeah yeah anything right instead of allowing it to be released on premiere access like everything else they've been doing they're like no nah, this is gonna be a freebie and it's like ah come, hmm. i'm sure i'm sure that caused a little tension internally and as if they needed 
anymore or right yeah. now right about now i'm gonna agree with you however i think that the um the the contrast and the use of colors in the space dance is just phenomenal uh the way that they were able to animate the booster rockets like flames to match the color and mood of space around it there's a lot of purples there's a lot of blues yeah. i'll get into all of that next time because i'm definitely going to move it on um eva do you agree with our choice here i do yeah um i'm huge fan of luca for sure agree with the whole feeling of it um and yeah i think for sure wally define dancing scene is the winner yeah cool yeah let's move on to the next matchup it's the number eight brave touch the sky sequence versus the number nine toy story two the cleaner this is impossible this is literally this is, an impossible <laughs> matchup i'm so glad a... i'm not going first <laughs> <laughs> all right so the touch the sky sequence is the song in the movie brave it's the sequence of merida uh, hopping on the horse, riding through the forest, shooting some arrows, her hair flowing through the wind. Um, she's chilling with the horse on the edge of a cliff. You see kind of a, a pan overview of the valley that they're looking over. And then you get a hawk that flies through. And the hawk goes up towards a waterfall and kind of perches up there. And then Merida climbs that waterfall. And that's basically where the song is. Like Basically, she does that. She's on it. Woohoo, champion, Rocky moment, hops back <laughs> on the horse, goes home. That's that's basically the scene. The cleaner, <laughs> the cleaner <laughs> is when Woody needs to be repaired by our boy Jerry. <laughs> and you get that fantastic. <laughs> can't talk about it, but you get it. Um, and he's just cleaning up Woody and it's a very visually satisfying moment of the movie and it's something that sticks with everyone who's ever seen it that's the if you say like tell me something about Toy Story 2 you probably the opening of Toy Story 2 which is great Buzz in space and he he's in the video game and then this this moment right here like <laughs> Woody, it's just Woody so gets good a q-tip in his eyeball <laughs> Woody gets a, a full body manicure um so in this it's kind of a, it's a montage we're not usually big fans of montages, but you can't you can't not be a fan of this montage. Yeah. Woody's getting stitched up. You see it very close up. You see um uh our boy put on his like uh magnifying glasses. You get to see the the irises of his eyes like no other. He cleans Woody's eye. You can see the reflection of the room in Woody's eye. Just these details that like they went so far to do. They could have just made his eye like shine, but no, it's going to reflect the world around him because that's how it would be in real life. He gets his little Andy boot painted over. Very satisfying moment. Yeah, oh my <laughs> gosh. Just... So weird. So weird how satisfying <laughs> like that in particular is that yes. like perfect breaststroke. Like that's One. something that would be on like TikTok or like, oh, or is it a Reddit group? Like uh, our, Od uh, oddly, our oddly satisfying. Oddly satisfying. Yeah. It's yeah. just that on repeat. Just yep. the one stroke just painted over Boop. and yeah and even even as far as like jerry opening up drawers and things moving around he opens up the eyeball drawer and the eyeballs are all bouncing around he's he shakes up the the paint before he uses it he put dips everything about it is just so well thought out of like how would this world interact if this toy fixer 
was actually doing it. It was just so well thought out. Merida, what I really, really like about this scene is how beautiful the settings are. Obviously, we talked about how well Pixar does that in general. Um, but they really made her the main focus by making her ride through these lush green um, forests with her green dress and then her just like fire red hair. Yes. And I really like that contrast of like, this is our hero of the story. This is the main character. This is who we are going to be rooting on for. And she is bold. She is badass. She is going to be the greatest. Um, of course, the waterfall over the years, every time Pixar does a waterfall, better and better. This one's absolutely beautiful. Reminds me a lot of like the same mechanics as the cars waterfall in the in mm, the yeah. um one that we'll talk about in a little bit and uh the best part of that entire scene is when the sun is like setting and shining through the waterfall and it gives it that like fire firefall effect i think is what it's called Maybe i'm probably hmm. wrong but it happens <laughs> in yosemite like once or twice a year in which the setting sun aligns perfectly that shines through the waterfall out in Yosemite and it looks like it's lava falling down. Same effect here. It's gorgeous. So if I'm going head to head here, I know Chris is happy that I'm going first. Uh, surprise, surprise. I'm, I think I'm a, I'm a go brave touch the sky. I think that that's just a more beautiful sequence. I think that Toy Story is the cleaner is satisfying, uh, and, and there's beauty in the details, but I think there's mm -hmm. more beauty in the scale of Touch the Sky for me. I think I'm going to a lot of the time skew nature to begin with. And that's just what I'm doing here. Um, it's, it's interesting that you point out the like lighting and like the shot of the valley as like the part you found most beautiful in Touch the Sky. I thought for sure, hands down, the best part visually of that sequence is the slow-mo of Merida jumping over the log on the horse, mm. uh, like a profile shot of that. It's so funny because this movie came out in 2012, right? Sure. Uh, Age of Avengers Age of Ultron came out three years later <laughs> and did the exact same shot. Uh, all of the Avengers jumping slow-mo over a log and like doing a fighting pose. Like, You're right. Come on. Come You're on. Right. Let's give credit where credit's due. Brave was the Merida. originator of that. Merida is an Avenger. Um, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying about the hair and like the hair animation being a big flex. These were this was the early days of Pixar still, like relatively speaking, and um, they were still developing the technology and like the computing to to like animate these things. And for Brave, the hair was this was this big like achievement in animation. Was oh, we can make a person has really lifelike hair um, that is also very human like. Yeah. And so it's it's yeah, this is kind of the the moment that it gets center stage at the beginning of the movie that you really kind of see it as its own character. Um got I got big Frozen 2 vibes from that valley, that Sunset Valley and like particularly uh, yeah. particularly when she's like laying at the top and like the horse is like rolling around in the hay or something. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like a very similar shot to like oh, Sven and Anna are like looking out on the totally. valley. Um, totally. But like, I mean, come on, touch the sky slaps. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Toy Story 2, yeah, like, 
so weirdly memorable, right? Like seriously. Remember the iconic scene where an elderly man cleans a toy cowboy doll? <laughs> everyone, everyone knows what you're talking about, you know? Right, right. And and like this is this is our first example here where it's not because the animation is particularly like dynamic in the way that it's lit. And like, yes, mm-hmm. there are details, but not like insane details. I mean, even if you just look at like Woody and Toy Story 2 versus like Woody and Toy Story 4, it's yeah. like in Toy Story 4, they actually have to like try to make him look not as good because it would <laughs> look so weird for him to be like extremely lifelike all of a sudden. Totally. It's, it's like Andy's glow up when it was like, what the? <laughs> When did he become a real person? Uh, so, so just like some other moments from that sequence that you omitted, the shot from inside of Woody's arm as it's being kind of like stitched up. Yeah, yeah. Super cool and creative. Uh, the shot of the magnifying glass that's synced to music where it's like Jerry going doot, doot, doot. And then it's the reverse <laughs> shot of it like zooming in. Very symmetrical, timed very perfectly. Um. Mm. Yeah, it's really this is a really hard one. I think yeah. you know again like I I I I want to give credit for like the beautiful lighting and kind of like the next level animation, but I also want to give credit to like the things I think Pixar does best and that is like compose a frame in a way that is interesting and like focus on details that other animation studios might not focus on. Sure. Uh, and is and it's like this is like one of our favorite things in all of Mouse Madness <laughs> is this the cleaner sequence in Toy Story 2. So I'm advancing that over Brave Shocker for me. Here we go. So Eva's going to break her first tie here. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so I agree with everything both of you said, for sure. Um, I don't know, man. This one is really, really hard. <laughs> this is a tough this one. This is really hard. I love everything about Brave. Yeah, the whole, like, just her being that badass, being that, doing what she loves, archery, right? So showing her her horse her shooting the arrows. It's great. Uh-huh. The mountains, everything about it. Uh, but yeah, I just have like such a strong connection with that scene, <laughs> <laughs> that Toy Story scene. <laughs> um, it's funny because we were watching it the other day and me and my coworkers were watching it. And yeah, we were ju- all of us were just like looking at it. Yeah, everyone yeah. huddled We're around like, a computer just, they're just silent. Stop what you're doing. Stop working. <laughs> I know we're we're supposed to be working. No, <laughs> stop working. Watch the scene. <laughs> so I don't know. And I just everything from when I remember watching it when I was a kid for the first time up till now, nothing has changed my point of view of it. And I just love visually beautiful. I mean, we think beautiful, you think forest you think nature beautiful but i think i agree with uh chris on this for sure um i think the cleaner is the winner beauty in the details the details the sounds everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> your boy jerry survives the first round let's go <laughs> all right Next, next matchup. Uh, number four, Ornament Valley sequence from Cars versus number th- 13, Nemo's first day of school. So uh, this one is is interesting because like the Ornament Valley sequence is very tight. Like it's very focused on one thing and that is driving through Ornament Valley. 
yeah. in, in, in Radiator Springs um, and like examining the, the landscape and like the world of cars. Uh, and Nemo's first day of school is, is kind of like a long quote unquote sequence. Like it's kind of a stretch almost to call it a sequence because there are so many different like little scenes and things that happens in like a variety of different shots. I guess, though, like to, to call out some things that are really great about that setup, though, uh, the color is oh, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the just so bright, you know, this bright this reds film and- when it came out was also right at the time that DVDs got really good and oh, that yeah. people were able to afford really good TVs. And yeah. so you pop this in and it's like you're watching it at a theater like i just remember having that moment watching it on tv on dvd just being like the way they made this look is the most gorgeous thing i've seen in my life um the thing i think that i appreciate about it the most is just i would i would call this sequence very dynamic visually where you have a bunch of really bright and contrast high contrast colors you have the lighting um, both just like the normal lighting of a scene mixed with kind of like the dancing lights from that is kind of like refracted from the surface. Yeah, you've got you've got also again like the physics of the water like playing a part in like how the characters are moving, even the ones that are completely idle in the background. There's just so much going on. Um, it's very complex, and every aspect is working in sync. The most memorable shot to me is when Mr. Ray takes off and they all kind of like fly away up and out like towards the surface. Yep. Um, and again, you get that kind of like beam beam lighting in the background. Um, I mean, it. Uh, I appreciate it. And like this, something Pixar does really well is like create very memorable and I guess settings that kind of like make sense in your brain you know where it's like oh this is like this spatially i understand what's going on here like oh you have this like reef and then it kind of like comes down into this valley and then there's like a little platform and like a landing area for mr ray uh like you could you could you know if you closed your eyes you could picture it in three dimensions which is cool um what's funny is like ornament valley from cars does that but like 10 times better that and and I, I want to say this might be totally wrong, but I want to say Cars Land was the first like completely 100% one IP specific land built in a Disney park. I'm not I'm not going to dispute it. All right. <laughs> I believe you. I'm right. OK, I'm right. <laughs> We're going to say I'm right. Um, and and we can attribute that to this sequence in particular in in the way that. I don't know. I just I it it frustrates me that cars get slept on so much because the sequels are not the best, particularly the second one. But like the first cars movie is legitimately so, so good. Yeah. In every in every single way. Yeah. And like, yes, you have that kind of like main strip with all of those like shops and characters. But like, yeah, going up into that mountain, uh, we get some overhead shots of Sally and lightning as they're driving along. You get some like from the side shots of lightning Uh. and Sally as they're driving along. The wide shot of um, lightning passing up Sally and we're watching it from almost the view of the water. Like they drive by like a pond or something and the reflection of the cars and the lighting just through the trees. That's such a gorgeous scene. And then it goes up into the hills and you get into kind of those like buttes and vistas. Uh, 
and the landscape very much changes goes from kind of like a woody foresty vibe up to like kind of a high desert vibe yep like it's so good they literally made a ride after this very sequence (laughs) you know and like that is one of the most memorable parts of the cars radiator springs racer attraction is that like beginning where like it's like oh and the the waterfall like appears right uh that is all that is all present in the movie i want to say it's probably executed better in the movie like it's very hard but like you can see that there was an attempt to like trans late the like literal like shot for shot from the movie into real life yep Eh, some of the force perspective doesn't work so good but um but like again it's a tribute to the scene itself uh i'm going ornament valley like it's just it's got vibes written all over it ornament valley does have good vibes but i think i'm gonna go with first day of school and i think i'm gonna do that because of just how beautiful and attentive to details of that world pixar was i remember like watching disney channel and there was a segment almost every commercial break that was like a little teaser of how finding nemo was made and one of those segments was talking about them putting the specks of just stuff in the sea uh and generating that as a machine for the movie and so like Hmm. They're not the fish aren't swimming through clear water because the ocean isn't clear. It, it's clear, but there's still particles of sand, of whale carcass, of things. <laughs> wait, 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 able, wait, wait, wait. Does Uncle Ugo exist in the Finding Nemo universe? Is that what you're the, saying? He's he's married to the anglerfish that tried to eat Marlin and oh, okay. uh and and Dory. He's down oh, there boy. somewhere. Oh boy. Um and so just the, the attention to detail, like they could have created four different fish, colored them all different colors and said, here's the ocean. But no, there are so many different species of fish in these scenes. And it's just so impressive that they they took the time to do that for just this segment of the story, because after yeah. that, we're in like the open ocean. Right. So we don't right. even see any of these anymore. Um I just think it's it's just stunning and mesmerizing and you want to see it more and more. And the shot specifically that blew my mind was Mr. Ray flying like over the camera. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. such a nice shot when he's like dipping towards the surface and you can see his reflection in the surface of the water as he's there. And then he dips down into the um the the seaweed. I just really like it. Um, sure. I'm going to go with Finding Nemo, which means, Eva, you're back. You're wow. breaking another time. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, yeah, I was just going to talk about the kelp scene for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was like one of my favorites, too. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nostalgic for me to watch Finding Nemo. Uh, whenever I want a nostalgic movie, I put on Finding Nemo. But I love Cars so much as well. Oh, and that cool. scene, that scene is just so beautiful. You know, and then, of course, like, I know the music, but <laughs> that's different. <laughs> but also, the uh, I don't know. This one's hard, too, because I love them both so much. But I do understand the complexity of capturing the ocean, you know. Uh-huh. So, because, yeah, I mean, they could have easily just lowered, like, oh, the, the ocean is so complex. There's so many things. There's so many different creatures 
that are there in the reef, you know, mm-hmm. the colors, the, I don't know. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of like the uh, cleaner versus nature scene. You know what I'm saying? Totally. I think I'm going to go with Nemo with this just because the ocean, man, you can't, yeah. if you mess up trying to, you know, capture the ocean, then you, you then you get you shouldn't tail. be. Yeah. You sh- yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you shouldn't be doing anything that has to do with the ocean because if you're not willing to take the time to replicate or even capture the ocean, everything that's in the ocean, every little detail, then you shouldn't be doing it. And they did it and they did it well. So I think Nemo for sure. Well, uh, you know, I'm not super mad because it means that next week <laughs> I I don't have to go on my rant about the sexualization of Sally, the inanimate object <laughs> motor oh vehicle. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. There it is. Oh, that's for another episode. That's for the best car episode, I guess. Huh? <laughs> oh no. It's going down. April it's- Fool's 2022. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this next matchup. It is the number five Jellyfish Forest from Finding Nemo versus the number 12, Cars 3's Lightning's Crash. This is an interesting one because like any of the scenes in Finding Nemo could have taken the place of the Jellyfish Forest for me. Hmm. It's it's beautiful in the camera work, uh, especially like if you even go a little bit further ahead when Dory first sees the little tiny jellyfish and you get that depth where it, it's yeah. focused on Dory and then zooms in on on the little jellyfish like that's just gorgeous camera work and then the way that they're able to make it feel like you're in this dense forest of jellyfish as they're racing through is also great I mean pinks against blues that's always going to be very pleasing to the eye especially if it's moving quickly and then when Marlin makes it out and it's just you can see the the divide between like the jellyfish forest and then the open ocean kind of gives you that sense of like something's wrong or or like the the um light at the end of the tunnel quite literally right and that's just a nice juxtaposition of, of the scene and of that moment the view of the EAC from the forest when Marlin makes it out is also really satisfying it's really beautiful it's the green kind of streak that looks like the yellow brick road like that's essentially what they're doing they're trying to follow the yellow brick road to sydney and that is it and they're almost there so it's kind of this once again light at the end of the tunnel and then it's the same thing you get all the water floating specks you get all that stuff um but it's up against lightning's crash which do you all remember when the trailer for Cars yes. 3 dropped yes. and this was the teaser was like <laughs> yeah. a silent like racetrack and then just like car parts, sparks, here comes lightning, crash, crash, black screen, Cars 3 coming summer of whatever, right? We're all like, what are they? <laughs> is this Pixar or is this the new Fast and Furious movie? Like it was so intense. It's about family. no lightning didn't crash we all crashed because it's family um it's it's just so good the scene leading up to the crash is lightning getting punked by bad boy car um he pulls into the pit stop he's 
screaming at Luigi to hurry on up with the tires, skirts off, is trying his hardest. Bad boy car comes up and kind of taunts him, pulls out in front, and lightning overdoes it. He's a, he's an old car at this point, and he he presses it a little too far, loses control, and just takes a tumble. And they do it in slow motion, and it's just so beautiful of a disaster. The way that they have this kind of you're on low on the track, so the track's really dark. So it makes the sparks of the car parts going by not only look realistic, but really catch your eye and give you a hint as to like, oh, what's coming? It's going to be bad. Just the way that like he's flying over and pieces are falling off in the right physics, you know, like it could be very easy to mess that up. But like everything's heading where it should be. If it came from this part of the screen, he lands, he falls. We see overhead as he skirts to, into the grass and then everybody comes around to, to see if he's good. This is kind of like a nah, matchup for me because I'm not as impressed with the jellyfish forest. Not that it's not beautiful. It's obviously, obviously great animation, but just the shock value of Cars 3 and just the way that they thought through what a car crash would look like from that vantage point, including the sparks. Like, this is a Pixar movie. Like, yeah. that is like the equivalent of like blood being drawn. From a, an actual human, right? The sparks popping up. So I'm I'm going with the upset here. I'm going number wow. twelve cars three. Yeah, I, I um I'm not sure that I agree with like the jellyfish forest being somewhat forgettable visually. Like it's 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 it, to me it's like the cleaner where it's like very memorable visually. If even though it might not be like quote unquote good, sure. Um, I think like fundamental frame composition is very important to me. I just earlier today went and saw The Green Knight, which is a movie I would like softly recommend to people if they're looking for something not very Disney. But one of the best aspects of it is that the the, like the friggin camera work is just so good. Like Mm. just keep things that seem boring, like, oh, keeping the subject in the center of the frame, like at all times, you know, like that stuff for someone like me who really appreciates like order visually, like. I love that. And so there are so many moments like that in this jellyfish forest sequence when Dory is like stuck in the middle of like this huge, just overwhelming swarm of jellyfish or when Marlin and Dory are kind of like on the outside of like the full squad of jellies and you can kind of see the very clear division between the wall and the ocean. Mm -hmm. I love seeing that very symmetrical and like very kind of like slow. And that I appreciate that potentially more so because of how rapidly this sequence is edited. This jellyfish sequence is really edited like it's an action sequence. So a lot of times you don't get to like hang on those good shots of the jellyfish, which, which is, you know, something I like about, you know, things like Wally where like they, they will let the shot breathe a little bit and they definitely do not do that in this jellyfish forest sequence. I'm agreeing with you. I'm sending lightning, lightning McQueen's car crash on to the next round because uh like you said it's just it it feels bold you know yeah uh cool. so hey eva do you agree with that i do yeah yeah, yeah. wow i do all right the, i like the the, the bold and, yeah the bold and the beautiful for sure <laughs> <laughs> yes i agree for sure all right well let's hop to the other side of the bracket we got coco we know there everyone whenever whenever we got coco on this podcast <laughs> yeah. everyone has a lot to say about it. Um, it's the number two crossing the Marigold Bridge sequence from Coco versus 
Number 15, Remy climbs the rooftop in Paris scene from Ratatouille. All you listeners out there should remember both of these sequences um, because they are very important to kind of like the themes of both of these movies. Uh, In the case of Ratatouille, um, it's actually a pretty cool shot. It's like tracking shot of Remy as he's like scurrying through this like air duct and then kind of like scurrying up this uh, like storm drain uh, pipe. And then he he kind of like peeks over the roof and you see just the panoramic view of Paris. Not quite at nighttime yet. It's like very late dusk where you can still see a little bit of sunset, but everything's lit up already. Totally. And it's definitely a showstopper. Like for Ratatouille, the only issue for me is that it's like two seconds and it's yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's cool. Like you see her like, oh, that's a cool shot. It kind of pans like to the left a little bit. So you can see uh, kind of like the general vicinity of this rooftop and then like and then it's gone. And then it's like talking Gusto or whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. And then like the, the moment, <laughs> the moment is ruined so quickly. <laughs> Uh, crossing the Marigold Bridge, like it's the opposite where this is a sequence that the main character walks across a bridge, you know, like how long could that possibly take? It's like a, it's like a four minute sequence of like Miguel uh, going from like the human world, getting pulled into this Coco afterlife world. And he's like seeing everyone for the first time as they're mm-hmm. like skeletons and like transforming as they walk o- over into the other side or do they transform or do they not they just get like orange glowy right they get like an orange glowy bubble around them yeah um but i mean look i've i've said everything i can possibly say about coco i'm not gonna do it again uh <laughs> like the 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 movie has like some issues with developing some of the main characters and like that it is what it is. But like this moment in particular, when watching Coco for the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, never don't appreciate this sequence about the movie. Um, and like, I love it so much. I'm like, I need a Coco attraction. Like, even though yeah. the movie n- might not be my favorite Pixar movie, like the, the visuals alone, like justify it. And like, it needs to be fast tracked, <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, from the glowing characters to the glowing like leaves to the alebrijes flying around to like the city in the sky. Uh, I love it. So I'm going Coco here for sure. I'm also going Coco and I'll talk more about it. And I kind of want to just give the floor to Eva because I know that this is, <laughs> this is her movie. I want, I want to hear movie. your thoughts about this scene and, and you break it down for me. Well, I definitely, when I first saw this movie, I am very happy that Pixar was able to capture color because when you go to Mexico, when you see the just everything about Mexico, it's colorful. Totally. Everything's colorful. And also what they captured is just the personalities of, you know, the characters as Latinos and the Latino family and the typical <laughs> things that Latinos do in the family. So <laughs> um, and also just the fact that they captured the culture of it too so the clothing from the clothing Mm. to what it is that we things about the day of the dead right so they got the calaveras the skeletons you got the painting of the skeletons you got what it is that we do on that day as uh you know a, a people of mexico uh and also just the fact that they used the certain aspects of the Day of the Dead. So the marigold 
flower super super important they got the ofrenda which is the altar um and i just loved all of that stuff but that scene in particular was one that blew my mind i was like whoa this is insane (laughs) this is literally insane from the fact that they just had this you know city like because how do i say this how we think of our ancestors being gone we don't we didn't we're we're like they're not really gone and they go to this special place so that's the special place that's what i think of whenever i think they they manifest this special place so well yeah so the colors the camera work and that the fact that you see this enormous like i don't even know is it like floating (laughs) city (laughs) i guess i guess right so and even some of the buildings you'd see have like little like the doors and the windows create like a little bit of like a skeleton uh yeah picture and it's just amazing i think yeah just having this vision of the marigold bridge because in the movie they have this like oh the petals lead you know uh ancestors to the altar and they'll you know lead us to the family lead us back to the family uh so i'm thinking for sure obviously coco i mean duh (laughs) (laughs) but i just love that scene so much and then when they're walking you know it lights up so uh yeah and i just love (laughs) there's this it's so funny there is a a line in that it's like oh you have to be careful where you stay because i live little chiquitas <laughs> that's my favorite also <laughs> I, I had to mention oh that the little oh chiquitas my God. That's <laughs> because so funny. That's, that's something that we would say and yeah the fact that they had that in there cracked me up and i never forget that in that scene <laughs> so yeah um it's just so it's when i read the visually beautiful i was like coco that's it. <laughs> That's just it. Visually beautiful. All of, Coco. All like, of Coco. The whole thing. All of Coco is just beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I am a little biased. Just, just a little bit. But yeah, no, for sure, Coco. Oh my gosh, beautiful. We've never had bias on this show, so you're the first one ever. Really? Wow. Okay. Just kidding. No, this is. <laughs> I was all, gonna that's say that's, that's all we do. <laughs> that's all we do here at Mouse Madness Podcast. Talk a lot of bias. Bias. Speaking of bias, let's move on to the number seven Joe's Jazz Session from Soul <laughs> just, versus the we're number just, ten. <laughs> we're, just, we're just going for it. Okay. <laughs> number ten, the good dinosaur uh, firefly scene. This is another one, the firefly scene, that I feel like, yes, it's beautiful, but every scenery shot and aspect of the good dinosaur is gorgeous that's probably the most photorealistic set design that is in any pixar movie Hmm. and i think it's because the characters in the movie are not photorealistic so like you see these like cartoon dinosaurs in this like actual real life earth setting it kind of confuses your mind a little bit and it may make the setting look a little bit better because they look so cartoonish. I don't know. That's my psychology theory. It's probably hmm. wrong. Yeah. But I think that the good dinosaur set design is freaking gorgeous. The movie sucks, but the set design is awesome. <laughs> so in this firefly scene, um, Arlo is moping as he does. His dad's like, yo, come on, I'll show you something. 
very Simba, um, yeah, uh, Mufasa moment, right? It Let is. me show you some. Let me show you the the gods yeah. in the sky. They're always going to watch us. It's the same scene. Uh, they go out to this field. Uh, a bug lands on Arlo. He's afraid because he's afraid of everything. And Dad shows him that there's beauty in the world if you just would not be afraid of it. And the bug ends up being this firefly. And as they run through the cl- as they run through the grass. Fireflies are lighting up. Arlo's dad does a, a moment where he swoops his tail and they all kind of wave and, and fly away as they light up. And then you get a very uh, defined dancing moment in which Arlo and his dad are running kind of side by side and they have their trails of the fireflies mm-hmm. lighting up mm-hmm. below them. And you see that from above. And it's this very symmetrical movement, very uh, satisfying to watch them do this. Um, and then the scene kind of ends with just a bunch of fireflies flying around and they're yellow and they're beautiful and it's what you would expect if you read this and had never seen the movie <laughs> yeah. the number number seven uh joe's jazz session joe uh just got the call that he needs to come down to audition with dorothea and he goes down to this little underground jazz club to to start rocking and he sits at the piano. He's trying to figure out his his tune. He's trying to figure out how to hop into this jazz session. And once he does, he is in the zone and he gets transported. He's he's going to another dimension. And as he does it, we see him as floating with the piano. And there's these streaks of blue and purples that are very like ethereal. And he's this kind of in this like like I said, other dimension. He's having a spiritual moment with himself as he's playing this uh, jazz, uh, um, this jazz run of his piano. Um, and he just gets lost in it. And it reminds me a lot of just the entire premise of Fantasia, like animation and music dancing together. That's basically what was happening here. You had a lot of light effects that were going off as Joe played his piano. Like each note triggered some sort of lighting effect around him. And it's just a really, really beautiful moment. Uh, he comes back to the our dimension and Dorothea is like, you got the job essentially. Very beautiful. The lighting in that is great. It seems like a dark nightclub. You get Dorothea kind of backlit and so shining good. on her on her saxophone oh, which is the main focus of who she is she's this woman who is this god of the saxophone and you see it just sparkling as she's playing it the lighting chris i think we talked about it in the soul mini app anyways and you brought it up in this pixar's lighting this is yeah. this is peak pixar yep. lighting in this movie yep. they yeah. just yeah. do such an incredible job and him floating above before the movie came out, because it got pushed back, D23's magazine for that quarter of the year was Joe floating hmm. uh, with all of the blue streaks and stuff. But it was an artist representation. It was probably like a production piece uh, for the movie. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. They're getting a little artsy, a little like jazz artsy with their cover. And then it happened in the movie. And I was like, Leo at the couch. Oh, like, that's that moment. That's that moment. <laughs> because i loved it so much i was like do i cut this out and like frame it because i really like it but that's kind of weird there's just it's just a really well done moment that isn't crazy right it's like it 
what they could have done is transport him and he's flying through space. It's, they could have done what they did in Luca, Luca where they yeah. dream about the Vespa and <laughs> oh they fly him to God. space and like the stars are fish. Like they could have done that where Joe's like out in space and he's having this crazy moment. No, you it gets brought in to just him. He's the only one there. He's the only one in the room. It's just him and the music. And the way they represented that was so beautiful. I'm going number seven, Joe's jazz session over the fireflies. Can I just tell a really quick story about of course that you can. Vespa sequence specifically <laughs> yes, from <please>. Luca? <laughs> uh, so I watched this movie twice. Uh, like I watched it and then I was like, I'm literally going to rewind it and watch it again. <laughs> That's how much I liked it. So <laughs> the first time I watched it, I was on the airplane. So... I sat down in my seat uh, and then turned the movie on. And like, you know how like it takes a little while for like everyone to sit down and then yep. like playing a taxi. So, you know, I'm like 35 minutes into the movie by the time the plane takes off. <laughs> and it was it was during that Vespa <laughs> dream sequence. And it was like, oh, Alberto, I'm doing it. And then like I went like back in my seat I'm like no this is like real life and then we like lifted off the ground right as like luca like flew off the ramp oh, i was like my gosh that was literally like disney magic just happened to my body right now it was incredible crazy. anyways tangent the so funny you, you referenced simba in the lion king for this firefly sequence from the good dinosaur i was getting i see the light vibes from tangled on it yeah where it was like yeah one firefly, five fireflies, <laughs> six million fireflies. And totally. I just, I want to rewatch it like with that song playing and see like what the vibes are. <laughs> Something I really, really appreciate about this sequence is the way that it kind of visually represents the theme of the movie, which is something that Arlo's dad says, sometimes you got to get through your fear to see the beauty on the other side. I, themes matter to me like themes are the most important thing to me when it comes to movies or tv shows like if if you can't land the theme at the end of it it's not worth watching to me so like if you were to ask me like hey what's the movie titanic about like i wouldn't be all, oh it's about like a boat crash like no it's a movie but the movie is about class right so like when you think what's the good dinosaur about it's not about dinosaurs it's about overcoming your fear yeah. so I. I love that this visual sequence go goes hand in hand with, with the theme. Mm -hmm. The thing I don't like about it is very green, like very green on green on green on green. You have yeah. the green fireflies, the green meadow, the green dinosaurs, and the sky is very like turquoise green. So while the lighting is unique in that like each one of the fireflies kind of like is a different light source and it shows upon the landscape and upon the characters it's just so green yeah and it's beautiful but it's not as like exciting and dynamic as this joe's jazz session um i'm advancing joe's jazz as well eva do you agree yeah i agree lighting and so just what wins yeah <laughs> <laughs> easy easy like easy, easy, money. easy, that, easy. Uh, this is one of the easier matchups on this not bracket, much for to sure. say about that yeah right um all right let's move on to the next one it's number three carl goes up versus number 14 toy story three's 
playtime sequence. Uh, so let's do a little like reminder of what this Toy Story 3 playtime sequence is because it might not be like immediately memorable to you all, the listeners. Um, Toy Story 3 opens, titles, title card, Toy Story 3. It gets like branded, branded. onto the screen and then like <laughs> the, so good. the whole like title card kind of like burns away and the camera uh. like flies in in like a crane shot onto this train this like wild west train um and it's basically kind of like a a a redo like a soft reboot of the playtime in toy story one where like woody's a hero and mr mr potato head's one-eyed bart and (laughs) ham is what's what's ham's name dr something i don't know dr pork chop evil dr Dr. pork chop yeah evil dr pork chop um (laughs) so I mean, it's cool. It's cool to kind of like see it, see that scene from Toy Story 1 like built upon in the same way that like the playtime in Toy Story 2 is like a playtime, you know, but it's presented as like something that's really happening in the movie. Anyways, uh, the super high contrast, the sky is this very, very rich royal blue and Mm -hmm. the clouds are like very white on white and like well-defined, very surreal uh, like setting for this sequence the you know the, what i think hmm. you know what i think they're trying to do what are you trying to do that very blue and the very white almost like a perfect picture setting if you were to like envision a sky is is andy's wallpaper oh yeah so like andy's wallpaper is yeah. very blue with very white clouds so in this bedroom setting that this like epic western takes place it's the same thing we're in andy's room in andy's imagination 100 percent. i'm gonna agree with you on that uh they're in this kind of like desert like sedona arizona thing where it's very red dirt yep again it makes it very high contrast uh so like all the colors are just popping the entire time you've got some really cool shots for example uh like camera alongside of the train like as the train's going around this bend onto this bridge. Anyways, like action ensues. There's a big explosion with the barrel of monkeys. Like it's <laughs> it's long. Like it's a it's a long sequence. And it's there's so a lot, long, but it's so it's so good. It's not super tight, but like there's there's a lot of really cool animation going on there. Uh, number three, Carl goes up. This is. One of the more memorable sequences in Up, I would say the like married life is the most memorable sequence, but visually it's not yes. super memorable. Like thematically, very memorable, but like the Carl's goes up sequence visually, I think is the more memorable one. Um, this is when the Shady Acres guys show up at Carl's door and they're like, we're taking you away. And he's like, all right, let me, let me just give me one more second. Like he probably has to go to the bathroom for the 80th time. <laughs> and then the balloons like creep out behind the house and then he goes up and then he's up in the sky and then he like sits down in his chair um end the movie right on that last note of that sequence end the movie roll credits movie's over right like what a great what a great way to end a movie you know like this guy has lost the love of his life and he has fulfilled their destiny together by going on this adventure. It's left very ambiguous, like what happens to him. 
Yeah. I mean, he probably it, crashes his house and he's dead. But like, <laughs> it's it's like one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's dead, but he feels or good about Carl it. Or was Carl dead all along? Is this just his his ascent into the afterlife? Like, how great would that be? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All of these questions. Um, but they don't. The movie keeps going, and Russell knocks on the door <laughs> and like ruins the moment. I mean, maybe Carl comes back in another Up movie, like the Up Cinematic Universe. You know, like did he die? I don't know. No one knows. Yeah, he's we're back. about to get this uh, Doug Disney Plus series. Maybe are we'll you, see a little. Are you uh, serious? I'm dead serious. I got. I think it's called a Doug's Life, if I remember correctly. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank on that. <laughs> Sorry. So like I was talking about with Brave, the like kind of like animation flex. I, I want to say these like balloons in Up were like the big thing. It was like, mm-hmm. look, we can do these cool balloons that kind of like have a life of their own individually, but also collectively they're really cool. Uh, the lighting. Be- they're beautiful and chaotic at the same time. And you can see the light go through them. That is so apparent throughout this whole sequence as the house is going up and around the little city that he lives in. You can see the the colors of the balloons in the shadow. Yep. And I think the the best use of that is when he goes past the little girl's apartment and you can just see like the whole apartment just like changes color. Mm-hmm. It's very, very beautiful. One of the best shots in all of Up. Uh, but the best shot in Up happens a few seconds later it's that iconic drink because yep. it's that iconic shot of <laughs> yeah. Carl's house floating above the clouds. Yes. It's that, uh, one, it the, one, the one they used for the uh, poster and like every up thing ever, you know, like this, that mm-hmm. shot, that shots the movie, you know? Yeah, totally. The, like that shot is the company, Pixar. Like that's it. Yeah. It's like, Beautiful frame composition, beautiful colors, semi-realistic. Um, d- I, I love it. Love that shot. Don't love the movie, but I do love that shot. Um, mm, yeah, this playtime sequence has a lot of really cool things visually. I mentioned the shots alongside of the train. There's some really cool stuff um, like as the train is like going towards the end of the tracks, like very intense shots at the end of the track and there's a really cool hero shot of Woody and Buzz and Jesse as they kind of like go to flex on one-eyed Bart. Uh, the monkey mushroom cloud is randomly like <laughs> yeah. super dope. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I'm going to have to go with up on this one. I think, I think that sequence in particular makes the movie and like makes the movie have some type of value for me. Uh, like the Toy Story 3 thing, but I think, I think... I think the visuals kind of take a back seat to what is happening in the scene in that situation. Yes, exactly. I think that the Toy Story 3 scene is my favorite scene, but I don't think it's the most visually beautiful, even though it is very well done. Uh, you get a lot of awesome use of like shadows in this. You get when Woody's like, quote unquote reveal it's the cowboy reveal when he's walking down the the train and he and he shadowed his heads down he looks up and he says whatever he says um the shot of jesse summoning rex and she like leans all the way back and the camera takes off from her like mouth all the way up into the sky really cool shot um but at the end of the day they're 
their toys in this toy land. Um, and while it does look really good, it's supposed to also look cartoonish in a way, which can be beautiful. And it is beautiful animation. But the use of lighting and color in Up in this specific scene is definitely going to also put it, no pun intended, above Toy Story 3. Eva, do you agree with this? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, when I think of Up, that's, I mean, it's the balloons, obviously. So I loved, when I first saw it, that scene of the balloons reflecting in the little girl's room was pretty impressive that was great i was like oh man i mean when you're small you want to have like you know a disco party in your room like that the exact same effect and then you're just you know the happiest kid alive and i feel like that little girl was like this is so cool what's happening it's a floating house and the balloons are reflecting inside and then they have the little you know ball pixar ball just chilling in the corner too (laughs) right right (laughs) yeah it up is pixar that's you took the words right out of my mouth for sure. I was going to say that. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Cool. Let's move on to our final matchup of this round of 16. It's the number six, the Door Depot scene from Monsters Inc. versus the number 11, Mrs. Incredible versus the Screen Slaver from Incredibles 2. So, the Mrs. Incredible scene is when she is trying to find this menace who is brainwashing folks and she is has a hunch and she has a location she goes into this apartment building and busts through this apartment door and uh it feels very like dungeony like very very scary dark a lot of things are are spread around a lot of plans a lot of tools um there's like a mask like the screen slaver's mask is on the desk and then she gets spooked by the actual screen slaver and is in this like UFC cage fight bat mm-hmm. thing, <laughs> just chain link fence box. And there are strobe lights going off like the, like LED board lights. Like you would see at like a hockey game or at, at a baseball game, like just these LED lights that are supposed to kind of replicate the, almost like the black and white swirl of being brainwashed, but just like over an entire room, just crazy flashes. And it's stunning to her and it's stunning to you in a very dark theater. You're like, what is happening? My goodness. And that kind of adds to the intensity of that scene, right? The quick flashing, the, the disorientedness of Mrs. Incredible. You feel that too with her. It's, it's hard to tell what's going on, who's winning, what, where the screen slaver is. And then the rest of the scene is her chasing him through an apartment building eventually finding him and, and tackling him out a window in which she becomes mom parachute again. And there's a big explosion again. And uh, it wasn't the screen slaver. It was another brainwashed guy. That's pretty much that scene. The door depot is when uh, Randall is wanting to like suck the life out of Boo. And Sully and Mike are trying to get away and they hop on the doors as they go back up onto the track from the scare floor and they enter what we like, it's just so cool that Pixar was like, where would these doors come from? (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) let's go see where these doors would come from. And it's just a massive 
factory storage building of doors on these tracks. And it's just such a genius idea that of course it would be. Like how how else would they find these doors? Like they would be stored in these massive factories. And the just the the pure volume and the grand scope of this building is just amazing when you go around the corner for this reveal. It's absolute insanity that we haven't gotten a roller coaster about this. Um, especially yes. it's a it's a single rail dangling coaster that is at every six flags you've ever been to like this feels like a no-brainer but who am i (laughs) Uh, so they're on this yellow door yellow is very an optimistic color when it comes to heroes and in movies so you feel like it's something that they're going to be they're going to be okay which they obviously are um at one moment, they need to activate the doors. So Sully tells Mike, like, make her laugh. Mike lands on his non-existent crotch on a like um, on one of the door rails and her hood was down. So he has to do something else. She starts laughing and we get this shot of all of the doors activating. But as a ripple effect, because, of course, sound travels. And so you see the sound travel and activate all these doors together and it's just it's beautifully satisfying i guess it's just really pleasing of the eye the rest of the scene is just really fun it's them going through doors to different locations exiting out of other doors being back into the factory going through another door being at another location um they get to japan and uh and mike goes it slides it slides it slides (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i just like i don't know that's just so funny to me and then the scene ends with Randall uh, trapping Boo and, and Sully in a room and then Boo goes ham with a baseball bat and they defeat Randall. So these are two scenes that like I could probably do without on a beautiful bracket. I think that the this is could be another beauty in the details one. The Incredibles 2 scene it's kind of math for me. That's very shock. It's very much like you can't really tell what's happening anyways. And if I were to pick apart the animation that's happening while that fight scene's going on, don't know that I could because you couldn't see half of it. Quite literally, you couldn't see half of it. While I guess with the, the door depot, could say it again, beauty's in the details. The vast volume of these doors, the details that they use in that some of the doors are like have fallen off the tracks and are now on different platforms that they just haven't cleaned up yet. Like, it's just cool. It's a cool scene to see. And I, if I have to say, oh, what's the point of beauty then? I would go ahead and say that when the lights all light up across the entire thing, that's pretty beautiful to me. I'm going number six. Um, Kyle, I'm going to be super annoying and correct something you said about roller coasters a little while please, ago. Please, when you please, said, please. I knew you, I knew you when would. When you said that there was a single rail coaster at every Six Flags Park, there are exactly two <laughs> single rail coasters in the Six Flags chain at Fiesta, Texas, and Great Adventure, soon to be three, one at Magic Mountain. Um, just wanted to issue that correction to our Mouse Madness listeners. My um, apologies. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. That'll be a dope single rail coaster. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm disagreeing with what you're saying about the screen slaver, like being mad, because that moment when i was in the theater watching that my head expanded like three sizes just watching <laughs> that i was like the, like we have reached the next level where you have just super 
creative use of lighting internally, like within the scene where you have the, the strobing that affects the kind of like shadow that's being cast like around the character. And also like it's affecting the movement where you like they're, you know, like on Halloween, you ever like walk yeah. up to a house with a strobe light and you like dance and it looks like you're <laughs> like stop motion. It's like they did that in like yeah. a, a much faster kind of like uh, pace, but I just expert expert to me a very short i mean that that part of the sequence is only like 15 seconds i think that's probably all they could get away with they did have to issue an epilepsy warning uh and theaters that played this movie when it came out but i still think it's it's breathtaking in its own unique way i'm going with the incredibles 2 screen slaver sequence which means to finish off this episode eva's gonna have to break a tie oh man all right i think this is hard. This is hard because I was actually talking to one of the animators who worked on Incredibles 2. And Humble she, rag. Humble she rag. Did. Was, yeah, she, chill. yeah, no, she worked on Jack-Jack. She was like, oh, she has The best twins. part of Incredibles 2. Yep. She has twins and two boys. And she's like, please let me, please let me do it to like her, like, I guess the uh, manager, awesome. director. Yeah, she's like, let me do it. And she did it. And come we were on, Pete. Talking come on, about... Pete, doctor. Let me do it. Pete. Come <laughs> on, Pete. And we were talking about the intricate details of Incredibles 2. And I took a, I think it was, was it before or after? I think it was a little after Incredibles 2 came out. Um, we took a trip to Pixar and you'd see all of the, animat- the animators, uh, beginning sketches of different scenes, different things. And one of them was the screen slaver uh, scene. And oh my goodness, that amount of drawing that they did for that scene was insane. So I think I'm going to go, although I love Monsters, Inc. That scene too, specifically, I think what's my favorite scene in that movie, um, when they're going from door to door, uh, seeing uh, millions of doors that they have, uh was pretty crazy that was yeah yeah mind-blowing but i think personally for me seeing going to the studio and seeing those concepts gradually become that scene was insane and even her she uh she was saying how that was probably one of her most stressful yet fun films to work on she worked oh, yeah. on a few, so getting her perspective on it as well, uh, and then watching it, I think I haven't watched it until after that visit, so I kind of got that uh, uh, perspective of like her working on it, and then it coming to life on the TV, and then I'm looking at it, and it's crazy, so I think I'm going to go with Screen Slaver, although yeah, it is kind of like a dark, kind of like, what the heck is going on? Like, I can't really <laughs> see kind of thing, but yeah, I mean, I guess... Again, bias. I have that background information on what it is that they had to do to get to that point. Uh, so yeah, I'm Love gonna it. go screen slaver. All right. Well, then that does it for our round of sixteen. Next episode, we are gonna start with the elite eight, and that first matchup looks like the number one defined dancing from Wally versus the number nine, the cleaner from Toy Story two. Down the brackets, number thirteen, Nemo's first day of school from Finding Nemo versus number twelve, Lightning's crash from Cars three. Across the brackets, number two, crossing the Marigold Bridge 
from Coco versus the number seven Joe's Jazz Session from Soul. And rounding out the Elite Eight, it is the number three Carl Goes Up from Up versus the number 11 Mrs. Incredible versus Screenslaver from Incredibles 2. Eva, thank you so much for joining us for this first episode. We really appreciate it. We love your insight. We love your bias. We love your humble brags of knowing <laughs> animators at Pixar. And we can't wait to have you back for episode two. I can't wait. Thanks, guys. This is fun. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. You got something to say about this? Did, did we miss a beautiful Pixar sequence? I got a feeling we probably did. Please reach out to us. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked into the description of this podcast. Can't wait to see y'all next week, folks. Till next time, just remember three words. Take me gravity! <laughs> Oh, what? 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 Oh,